What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have guest Lauren Fjord, the founder of Human, the Human Wild Co. What's up, buddy? Human Wild Company, dog. Look at that. Fucking up already. What's up, dude? <laughs> Not too much. Yeah, it's actually .co just because of the website domain, and then it just it stuck. That's the Instagram. That's the website. That's the name. I like it. I like it. And dude, you, uh, I mean, for the listeners that haven't, um, heard you heard your previous podcasts, this guy's a wizard and, uh, I actually met him in college we're doing gymnastics. And, and one of the things that I want to get into, and I don't think we touched base on it. Um, the first time we talked and I've never asked you this is why did you start the human wild human wild like what what was the what was the reasoning and thought process behind that yeah um i could do a quick little flyby from high school to present and maybe like a couple minutes just for the new listeners and then we could jump into why um so from high school i, I started doing parkour in high school graduated high school bought a one-way ticket to europe started doing some traveling to do parkour um did that for a while traveled to a few countries and then got the wild idea I wanted to be a fireman, came back to the States, was a fireman and an EMT for a while, for a couple of years. And then I realized I didn't want to do that. And so I wanted to go back to school to study kind of kinesiology and sports science um, on a more academic level. So I did that for a bit. And then after graduating there, I started um, a meetup group in the park. That's where we met. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just put, <laughs> put a flyer up, 10 people going to the park. Um, let's focus on strength, flexibility, um, injury prevention, all the stuff. And then I went from there to a RV storage unit, um, in a weird part of town, actually kind of between two towns. We had chickens running around, turkeys running around and these crazy little Pomeranians that the neighbors were raising. They would like kind of attack everyone's ankles when they walked in. Um, and so we had that location, um, which, like it was subject to the, the temperature. It was just an RV storage unit, um, kind of pole frame construction when it was snowing out in the winter. We had a stretch day that was in the twenties, 20 degrees out, snowing outside, people trying to stretch, but people loved it. And then from there we moved to, uh, an actual gym on the other side of town. And then, um, during COVID in 2020, we decided to take everything online and I had kind of already been thinking about doing that before 2020. Um, I just didn't have the right platform that I felt I could deliver the quality that I wanted to deliver. So I kind of took my time with it. I've been hatching the idea and <laughs> with a weird turn of events, the, with everything closing down in 2020, it kind of pushed people to try it that wouldn't had normally tried it. And I think that that really helped me and that I'd already started doing a lot of the background work to get it up, um, which brings me to the rebranding of Human Wild going from more a calisthenics gym to um, Human Wild. And I guess if I had to kind of simply or simplify why I started it, um, I, I never set it out to really found something or create something new or create something that people had to like buy this product to get this result. And I'm the only way to do that kind of in the gym. The same mentality I had is if people came in, I wanted to help teach them kind of how to teach themselves. And I wanted them to be able to leave understanding what they did. 
and kind of make it so they didn't need me. But ultimately people like working with me and they can come if they want to come or they can just kind of glean knowledge from me and take it back to their own practice. Um, but the idea behind human wild was, um, what's the simplest form is to kind of create a system that, um, realizes our human potential, um, in a modern world where we don't have the environment and the kind of our lifestyles don't organically facilitate having this robust health that I think everybody is entitled to. And we need to supplement our lifestyles with something that allows us to kind of realize that potential. And with people in a busy modern life, they need it to be kind of small and concise and something that fits into their lifestyle, which kind of, I guess I use the word supplement, but I also um, I'd like to touch a little bit on, the idea of having auxiliary aspects to your life and how I don't believe that's sustainable. Um, it really needs to be kind of fit into your life. But so in short, to answer your question, uh, human wild is a program that modern humans can do from home with minimal equipment to realize their, their health and kind of robustness as humans. And I, and I did it for myself as well as for other people, because this is something I would be doing for myself, even if I didn't have the company, even if I wasn't sharing it is kind of trying to, um, solve that riddle for myself and how to apply it to my own life. Yeah. And that's, I think that that was <clears throat> one of the things that I loved most about the little park meetups and is, is just learning that I didn't need a gym. Cause I, I come from a very gym intensive, you know, ex college athlete. Like that's how I thought you would work out. And so it was, it was good to have, you know, my mind expand and be like, Oh dude, I don't need a gym. I could, you know, I could ruin myself in 15 minutes just doing burpees or jump rope or totally, you know, whatever. Totally. It doesn't take that long to, to get after it. Um, so to speak. So well, I think it's in, go ahead or real fast. I, I think it's interesting because um, of all of the people that I kind of was working with at that time, when I met you, you were probably on the other end of the spectrum as you were, you were coming from a gym environment. Um, and so like, that was what was comfortable to you. And on the other end of the spectrum, a lot of people I was working with, like they were very uncomfortable in a gym setting. Um, and it's interesting to see those kind of polar opposites come together in a space, realizing they don't need the gym if they're afraid of the gym and you don't need the gym, if you're like, think that's the only place that you can work out. And there are um, great reasons to use the gym and to not use the gym. We can get into that later too, but it's interesting to kind of see that there's a, a middle ground where both of those people can get a savage workout in. Well, I, what I, when I'm trying to, you know, pin down in my physical, you know, regiment is like, I love kettlebells. So I do a lot of that. Um, obviously big fan of the gym, but also cardio. I was so anti cardio for years <laughs> and it's really stupid. Like I, I, cardio is incredibly important. And I think if, I think I read somewhere, John pulled this up, um, that if you have, I don't want to say elite cardio fitness, but if you have a, you know pretty good cardio fitness, it improves improves your lifespan by a factor of five. Well, it's interesting um, to to kind of break down why it's important and why we should kind of love the, like not cardio per se, but um, kind of walking or exercising our heart muscle. 
um, the cells and the, the tissue of the heart is, is so different from all of the other muscular tissue in our body, even though it is a muscle, it doesn't repair in the same way. So like we have, um, the heart that we're born with is the heart that we die with. Mm -hmm. It doesn't heal like the tissues in the rest of our body. Um, and from my understanding, the reason that is, is it's like a, there's a, theories around it, but I think that it's, it's a protective mechanism that if you damage the heart, you know how, when you have scarification, you can get an excess growth of skin. Mm -hmm. And if that happened in the heart, it would create a blockage and you could just die. Oh yeah. Um, but that being said, if, if we don't take care of it by exercising kind of the cardiovascular capacities of the heart, like it needs to be beating every single like minute of every single day for the rest of our lives. And yet, you know, it's easy to put that on the back burner and just do arms or something. <laughs> yeah. Right? Legs for, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, legs. For, John, what's up? Yeah. Uh, so your thing about <clears throat> cardio expanding your life or extending your lifespan, uh, it says the, this study a hundred for every 150 minutes of exercise per week, uh, is supposed to extend your life expectancy by around seven years. Wow. Well, I don't know if you can find that factor of five. I may have been just talking shit. It happens a lot. That's why you're here, my brother. Thank you for that. Uh, um, no, but that, that's so. So, how is the the company? I mean, I, I just checked your Instagram out right before we we hopped on here, and it seems mm -hmm. like there has been significant growth. Um, I, I guess there's been. I, I don't know if I would say significant growth in in. in there's been a ton of growth on the back end as far as the infrastructure of the company, as far as what it, what its offerings are. And that's kind of my main focus and my main kind of pitfall as a business owner is that I, I focused much more on the quality for the clients that I currently have and kind of continuing to expand it. And because it is a lifestyle company and it is something that um, I do in my own life and I try and make it very um kind of a widespread in the, the value that is created by it. I spend so much more time on the actual back end of the app and the videos and the content than I do on trying to spread the word, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Um, and, and I really love the people that I have in the program and going all the way back to that first uh, kind of park meetup that I started. Was that like 2015? Yeah, dude. It was a while ago. But um, like I'm really good friends with pretty much everybody that was in that. Um, and it's pretty cool. And that's kind of been consistent with every client and person that I've developed a relationship with professionally is that it falls into my personal life and they're just amazing humans. Um, but, uh, yeah. And so I like, I pretty much have, I have a very high retention with the people that do join because they just, they love it and I invest in them. But with 2020 and 2021, me and my wife both work from home and I'm not super keen on the whole advertising and all that stuff. So I love having great conversations with people when I meet up and then a lot of times they kind of jump into it and they're excited about it, but I still have to work on my, my pitch, I guess. The, the, the pitch and, and well, there's a lot of components, man. I mean, we're in yeah. similar online spheres right and and there's a there's a marketing component that is it's kind of mm -hmm. tricky and an seo component as well that we're we're still figuring out but um well and with the the kind of the ethos of my company it's like i would not have socials if i didn't have this business and i wasn't trying to kind of spread this word to people um i like to spend as much time off the computer as i can even though my business like makes me spend so much more time on the computer than i normally would 
Um, and I'm, I'm still kind of figuring out how I want to take, um, Instagram and how I want to focus on those things. But yeah, like, um, the lifestyle that I want actually would have less of the, the outreach side of it, but it's balanced. Bro, you and I are in, I, 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 John and Sammy run my socials for the most part. I hate it. Mm -hmm. I, it's, I, I just, I think it's so soul crushing, right? But the, the podcast, like getting the word out and you, you really do have to, to be plugged in and I, I need to do a better job of being plugged in on this, but it's just so counterintuitive and there's just so much toxicity on there and everyone's mm-hmm. yelling. And I, I'm, if I had my way, I would not do it at all. Yeah. One of the kind of um, underpinnings that I, I, carry with me in my life and how I've done things with my business, um, that I think might be kind of interesting, but is I always try and outline and design the life that I want, the things that I want, and then build my business around that. And it makes for a really high quality of life. Um, but it's not like, um, an exponentially scalable, tradable business model. And that's never what I'm really going for. I'm going for creating value in my own life, other people's lives. And, um, Heather, my wife and I, and now our, our son, Rowan, we live a very unconventional life, but we, um, are able to do almost everything that we want to do. And it's, it's almost, um, like, uh, I, I think that the, the old school or like more old school way of living is definitely like coming back as punk now in my mind, like wanting to, you know, have a wife and a house and a piece of property and like raise animals and slaughter them yourself. I feel like that's the minority and that's more punk in my opinion now than kind of the what's being sold to us as punk or like more status quo. I would agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. I think that there is, um, it's something that I, I worry about is we're so keen to tear down like institutions and um, <clears throat> sometimes from, from my perspective, what I see online and what's going on, like, it seems like we're very keen to tear these things down. And I always wonder like, what are we going to build them up? Like there's nothing wrong with getting married, having a family, you know, having your own animals. So you don't have to participate in um, factory farming or doing hunting, collect, you know, gathering your own food. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, that's another thing I admire about you. And we're kind of cut from the same cloth and in, in, in this, in this way of thinking, I would much rather be as self-sufficient as I can because, you know, COVID kind of taught all of us that society is really just, held together by a real fucking thin string. And when shit hits the fan, there's no one that's going to bail you out. It's going to be your family and your friends, you know, people that you trust in smaller communities. Um, I think that a big reason, you know, why you see so much vitriol online is people don't know who they are and they also don't know what they're capable of. And there are people that just sit back and text 24 seven or terminally online and aren't happy because they didn't get mm-hmm. out and get some, you know, UV light uh, in the morning or, you know, they're, they're, they're so disconnected from nature. Like my, my thinking on a lot of this is that we're, we're animals we're, we're mm-hmm. running sophisticated software, but we still need nature. We still need to, to be physically active. And one of the things we talked about is you mentioned you, want, you kind of want to discuss falling in love with your, your physical practice. So what does that mean? And what does that mean to you? 
Yeah. Um, no, let's go there in a second, but just to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying there um, with kind of like, we have this primal hardware that um, just like looking at the numbers very loosely and kind of what's agreed on, I guess, in the scientific world, um, we, we share like 99% of our DNA with chimpanzees and that split happened like 6 million years ago. Yep. And then Homo erectus um, was like, uh, lasted for like a hundred or, uh, like, was it 1.5 million years Homo erectus kind of spanned. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we share 99% of our, our DNA, excuse me, with, uh, with chimps and that split was 6 million years ago and Homo sapiens have only been around for like 300,000. So only like 300,000 years ago, Homo erectus kind of ended their reign of 1.5 million years and only like the agricultural revolution and all of our modern advances have, well, I guess if you go modern advances, those have happened in like the past few seconds yes. of the past 150 million years or, or yeah, 100, oh, sorry, 1.5 no. <laughs> million years. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's just a blip and it's exponential practically in, in the grand scheme of 1.5 million years of Homo erectus and then um, just more recently homo sapiens. So like all of our development, all of our evolution and all of our hardware is so geared towards the way that we were living without everything that's in the modern world. And that's not to say that everything in the modern world is bad. And I'm a huge um, advocate of merging the two and leveraging all of these technologies and understanding, you know, what we need on a biological level just to be healthy. Cause there are non-negotiables like, you know, you can talk, I don't really like the terms biohacking and all this other stuff, but like you can, you, you, there are certain things that are just non-negotiable. Like you have to take care of yourself in certain ways if you want to be healthy. And then you can totally take advantage of some of these new technologies and you can live a really nice hybrid life. And I, I, I like to say, and kind of think that I, I really believe that we can have our cake and eat it too. As far as like, we just change a few things. Like if you talk like the environment and plastics, for example, like we already know you can make plastic stuff out of biodegradable materials. Yep. I'm not going to like say which one, you know, um, but <laughs> like, you, like we have the technologies to make single use plastics go away. And that doesn't mean not use plastic. Like you can make a plastic bowl and use that for like two generations. Great. But like single use stuff, like there, there are so many like low hanging fruit that we can just kind of go in a better direction and still have a bunch of awesome stuff. Um, yeah. So I think that really plays in there. Uh, you were saying you were talking about falling in love with your practice. Yeah. What does that mean or, to you? Um, it kind of comes back to what I was saying about um, like the idea of a supplement and the idea of something that's auxiliary. So um, you can apply that to like the diet. You can apply that to your exercise life. And I think that a lot of folks, um, they, they go through this life cycle and this, um, I guess I could just kind of throw out some stereotypes. Like let's say somebody does a lot of sports in high school and they just kind of follow what coaches tell them to do. They graduate, they go to college, maybe they don't play sports in college and they kind of stop exercising and they gain some weight and they are more sedentary because they're studying. And then by the time they graduate that and get a, like a corporate job, they realize how their stagnation has affected them in some capacity. And then they're like, oh, I'm an adult. I got to start working out. And so they kind of put in their time and they think about it as 
Some people think about it as punishment, so you can earn your meals, so you can look the way you want. But even if you view it in a positive light and you enjoy working out to some degree, if it is still supplementary or auxiliary to your life um, and you have to like go away from your life to exercise, then I don't believe that it's going to be sustainable or as good as it could be. Even if you have like an iron discipline and you do it for the rest of your life, I feel like you could do it so much better if you incorporated it somehow and kind of stacked it into another aspect of your life. Um, where like, I believe like community is super important and exercising is super important, super important. So let's say you combine those two, you start working out with your friends, then that, you know, meets two needs right there. And you can just start stacking different things together, um, to make it more sustainable and to make it truly part of your life. What makes you think that, like, why do you think, you know, if you got away from exercise and then you had an iron discipline that if you kind of stacked it and incorporated it, it would be better than, than the other way of just being like, I'm going full tilt. Like what, what, what's Mm -hmm. your thinking on that? Um, well, I guess, uh, one, one idea or one kind of, uh, piece to the, the sedentary period that I kind of mentioned in there is I think one of the biggest things that wreaks havoc on people today and kind of leads to injuries and all this stuff. And, and I'm um, not exempt from this. I've seen this in my own life is where, um, we have a period of consistent movement and exercise, whatever that is. And then we have a period of sitting and working. And then we, even if we don't necessarily regress that much during that period of time, our tissues have not been moving and sliding. And then months, years go by and we remember where we were and we try and jump back into that intensity maybe, or even just get back into whatever we want to do. And it causes a lot of problems, causes a lot of injuries because we don't, didn't, don't have that kind of longitudinal, um, accumulation of just micro movements, like kind of sub maximal tissue sliding in between, if that makes sense. No, I'm actually following you. And I, that's kind of, it shed a little bit of light uh, about some stuff that has recently happened to me. That's <laughs> yeah, just kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I started, I picked up jujitsu again and, mm-hmm. um, there's a few of the, like the Nogi classes are just like mm-hmm. to a much lesser degree for all the wrestlers out there. But there was reminded me of like a wrestling practice. It was fucking awful. Yeah. Lots of drills. And <laughs> I was moving in a way that I haven't moved in years. It's very, oh, yeah. it was chaotic. Trying to explore your joints yes. and bend them in ways they're not supposed to bend. Yes. And I, <laughs> you know, I'm avoiding takedowns and we're sparring and we're doing drills and, I'm dying, obviously. I'm, I'm yeah. dying. I'm, I, my lungs are burning, but I, I hurt my knee. And I was like, you know, what the F? Like, I didn't, I, I, I hurt my knee. And like, basically, I got taken down. So I end up on my back and my, my, my left knee went like, <laughs> that makes sense, right? It just went like that. And it, it was fucked up for like a week and a half. And I was like, how, I don't understand what I even did. It just, it just hung on, on the joint. Yeah. And I can't really describe what that happened. If you're watching, you, well, you guess, get it. Yeah. Two, two, two things to that point. One, um, I would say that this happens to people in a much lesser degree of life. Um, not jujitsu, like jujitsu, like, it, like it still fits the model of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, jujitsu is going to be a little bit more like 
it makes even more sense that that happened yeah. because it was jujitsu. But then also like um, people doing something that they totally took for granted or like was normal for them five years ago and they just hadn't done it. And then they like have an injury or something because of that. Yeah. But that is one of the, for me, it was parkour kind of stuff. So um, back in high school and outside of high school for like um, five years or so, I was hitting it pretty hard. And like, that was my main thing. Um, and I was at a pretty high level. And then when college came around and kind of starting the gym and all these other things, it took a little bit more of a back burner. And then years went by. And then I jumped back into some competition, some speed courses um, in different places in uh, Portland and Denver. And it like my low back, it just totally took a toll on that because I had taken that relatively or comparatively sedentary period mm-hmm. and not moving in those particular ways. Yeah. And that kind of, I guess, segues into, um, I was saying kind of trying to solve the riddle of how to have, um, a practice for myself that allows me to jump back into things. And that's kind of why, um, I started human wild. The program within it is called the pulse program. And the pulse program, the idea of it is it's something that's pretty simple to do every single day that accumulates those movements in, and it kind of, um, utilizes all of the joints in, in ways that you wouldn't normally, but doesn't take much effort to do. And then for your example, like, had you been doing kind of those small odd stretches and movements and strength things like 20 minutes a day in the pulse program, let's say, or just on your own in, in your own practice, and then you jumped into that jujitsu practice, you, you might not have had that specific injury, you know, no, but that's I, the idea behind it no, in, in theory. Well, actually, I think it's a brilliant idea and we've, you know, we've talked about this. I'm going to do it. Don't even worry. That's it. going down. I'm going to do it. I want to do it all. Sometimes that's a big problem too. But um, <clears throat> I think it's. I think that that's a brilliant idea because it's not the pulse program um, from from what we've kind of discussed. It's something that you can do what 10, 15 minutes a day, and you can maybe. Well, see, that's the thing, um, and it's uh, most people that are used to going to a gym or doing some kind of personal training or even doing an online program, uh, it doesn't really operate in the same way. So the idea is throughout the week, I kind of construct five different sessions. Well, five, six, seven, eight. So eight different sessions, more or less over five days. And, um, you don't have to do them all. If you imagine it's like the, the classes offered at a gym and you can go to those, but the benefit is it isn't a certain window during the day. I can do it anytime during that day, or I could do Monday on Friday. Mm-hmm. Like you can mix it up as much as you want. But the idea is that there's kind of a, an intelligently organized series of eight sessions over the course of the week that hit the basic ranges of motion, the basic expressions of strength. And, um, each day has a little bit of a warm up. And so back to your question of, could you do 10 minutes a day? Um, I think that somebody would get immense value, even just with the warm up, where we're just focusing on kind of rolling all of the joints in a specific way. And that would take a couple minutes. If you actually did that little joint warm up every single day, I think that somebody would get immense benefit out of it. And that's not even doing the stretching, that's not even doing the strength work. That's just being consistent with kind of exploring all of the ranges of each joint. And that comes back to kind of um, acute injuries of like tissues not sliding correctly or 
like one of the ways that injuries happen is if you, let's say you didn't warm up and you ran to catch a Frisbee and you had to um, express those ranges of motion under speed and maybe a little bit of load with the jumping and landing. And had you moved through those motions very slowly, not under load, and, and made sure that the tissues could slide back and forth to the degree that they needed to, to to do whatever you did, chances are you wouldn't injure yourself in that moment. And so this idea is um, with just saying, like, could you do a couple minutes a day? Um, I think that the idea is to start very slowly with anything that you truly want in life and you want to be consistent with. And I'm kind of jumping around here, but this kind of comes back to what you're saying about what do I think the benefits of doing something um, like an integrated practice versus just doing something intense for a short period of time. Um, it doesn't, it's not very sexy and it's not anything incredible to just like stand up in the morning and kind of stretch your body out and move your joints. But if you truly did that consistently every single day, you would be better off for it. And then if you added 10 more minutes to Wednesday, let's say every single week, and slowly built that up in a year's time, like you would be in a completely different place than you were. And that sort of self-investment is impossible to measure, unfortunately. But if you waited in, like um, you avoided an injury and avoiding that injury gave you the opportunity to go somewhere. When you went somewhere, you met someone and that relationship led to a job opportunity. You know, like it's impossible to measure the kind of outreaching benefits of consistency in a practice like that. And that's why I think um, we we're talking about non-negotiables. I think having a physical practice that you enjoy and that is part of your life and that kind of ticks the bells and um, ticks the boxes of what we need as humans is truly a non-negotiable because it allows you to be the best mentally, physically, um, spiritually, emotionally with your, with your peers and your relationships. Um, and I think that it's, you can't really strip that from the other things, but nowadays we try and kind of strip it apart and say like, that's a gym person instead of like, that's a person that can move and is capable. I would it's agree. Kind of no, 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 no. I love, I loved it, man. You're very passionate about this, but that's, that's, and that's, I think that's why I was so intrigued by you back in the day was I th it was on a podcast and George St. Pierre, one of my favorite UFC fighters, he used to train with, I think, the Canadian gymnastics team because, in his opinion, no one moved and no one had more strength than the gymnasts. And that, and I, and I heard that and I was like, well, if George is doing that, I, I better fucking, <laughs> I got to try this out. And just yeah. the amount of the, the stretch, all the stretching, I hated you because you hurt me so bad. <laughs> You're like, we're going to micro tear your muscle. It was very, it was much more kind than that people, but I've still got some pictures on my computer of you doing some stretching out in that park. I'll yeah. Shoot them over to you. <laughs> yeah. Please do. Cause I got pretty, I got fucking flexible really fast. And then through that, but through opening my mind, right. Then I was like, well, I want to do yoga. I don't want to lose this flexibility. Mm -hmm. So as I, you know, graduated school, or left school and um, ended up making a little bit of money, having a little excess. Like I'm, I'm joining a yoga, uh, hot yoga gym. And I did yeah. that until the pandemic. So I haven't been into to yoga in years. And that was a game changer for me. Just like I was low, having mm -hmm. lower back issues. And um, those are gone for the most part. Well, that's an example of two things real quick. Um, like, so you're not stretching now because you're not going to the gym. The gym was ticking another box. It was ticking that social box. It was ticking that motivational box. Um, 
because it was a sanctioned place to do it. But the other thing is you don't necessarily have the, um, the knowledge behind the different stretches and why you would do what, when. Yeah. And so like, I'm a firm believer that like, you don't need my program to succeed or to do all these things. You don't need to do gymnastic stretching or just yoga stretching. Like you need to do what works for you, but ultimately you need to kind of invest in an, in an education more or less that allows you to understand how to be inside your body, mm -hmm. how to feel what you need when you need it. Um, and all of these things that I try and apply to my clients and the people that I work with for like physical things, I'm trying to impart not just the knowledge that I have, but kind of the ability to think critically mm -hmm. about these things. Um, and, and that obviously has far reaching implications as well, because like I'm applying it in a physical sense, but if you apply that to every other part of your life, like, you know, critical thinking serves you. And I think that's one of the things that we're really missing as a, as a people right now is critical thinking skills. But oh, that's dude. Kind of a whole, oh, whole different God. thing that we don't necessarily need to jump. Oh, down right we now, can't, <laughs> we can go down that rabbit hole. I'm always game. Um, no, I, I would, I would agree. We'll, we'll, we'll stick to the, the physical education portion of the pod. But, but, but that's why ahead. I love physical training so much. My entire life is it's metaphors for everything. Like the, and, and I think that, um, you, one of the things you were saying is we're, we're so alienated from our bodies, our lives, our food, everything like alienation is kind of cliche, but it's very true to where we are with this identity crisis and having a physical practice and understanding what you are physically capable of is such a grounding thing. And it is so human. Like you, like I said, it's, it's a non-negotiable. You can't really get away from it and you can't really explain all of the benefits. You have to experience them. One of the like most simple things, I can't remember if I brought this up in our last uh, chat, but um, I would have like grad students come in when I had the physical gym and they'd never really moved or tried anything. And I would have them, we would hang before and after class, we'd hang for like 60 seconds from your hands on a bar. And they would have no expectation of their own ability because they'd never done it. They'd be like, oh, I'm going to hang. Then they go to hang. And then they couldn't do it. It hurt their hands. They were afraid of being off the ground, suspended, whatever. Um, but in a, a few classes or in a month or so, like then they could hang for 60 seconds and they're, they're visibly, you could see their confidence shift. You could see that just even the way they kind of carried themselves once they had a greater understanding of how their body moved to mm -hmm. interact with the world. And it's, it's, it's so amazing to see that. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's part of the, the joy of coaching and seeing people develop. Do you think that you will ever get back into having a space? Is that something that you, that you're wanting well, to do? Um, while I'm kind of fostering this pulse program with the human wild, um, business, um, I, I truly miss having the space. And as soon as we're renting a place in Bend right now, and as soon as we have our own property or a little bit bigger area, like I, I will never not have a big gym or space around um, just because of, you know, what it, what it does for you mentally to have like a big open, clean, empty space. Mm -hmm. Like even in here, like we have a very small place and we've made it very homey. Um, and we've got a lot of personal items, but like, you can't just kick up against the wall. You can't just sprawl mm -hmm. out on the floor. Yeah. And, and my wife is always commenting on how she misses the space. And, and everyone that went to that gym pretty much reaches out to me pretty regularly just to say that like, you know, they miss the space and what it meant to them. Um, and even outside of like me in the space, just them, they'd come in before class and just sprawl out on the ground and like having a place that one, well, I guess having a space that 
the expectation is to move and roll around and to just kind of let loose. Yeah. So many of our built environments, um, it's not culturally or socially acceptable to just move around and do weird things, which I think uh, one little quick segue there is my background in parkour um, has taught me that as soon as you start moving around in ways that are a little bit unexpected, you will get in trouble. You will get um, people yelling at you. You will get the cops called on you more times than I can imagine uh, or more times than I can can count. Um, And every time you bring somebody kind of into the fold of doing parkour, like they learn that real quick. You start walking on a, on a like concrete wall that's four feet tall that parallels the sidewalk. That's weird. Why are you doing that? Let's yell at him. Um, let's call the cops. And then the other one is, uh, you know, if you start doing like exercise type things without exercise clothes on, like that's not kosher. Like, and that's one of the reasons why I like going into the gym there at uh, Oregon state with like jeans on and dress shoes and just like doing some stuff. <laughs> yeah. You were, so yeah, you had a different strategy. I always, I, I always, I still wear the raddiest gym clothes that I can. I got sweats with holes and paint stains. So I didn't, yeah. I, you know, I don't give a fuck what I look like. I'm not trying to pick up girls or I'm trying to move weight, yeah, yeah. but I did it, just it, wearing I, what you're wearing. Yeah. I'm and, just wearing what I'm wearing. Yeah. These are, these are clothes that I don't care about cause I'm going to get sweaty, but yeah. uh, the jeans you're weird. Um, I will call the cops on, you know, I'm just kidding doc. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that that's, we, I, I do think, I never thought about it in that aspect. Like um, parkour, it's, it's definitely um, a weird subculture, and I like that it's a cool scene. It reminds me of uh, kind of like skateboarders in a sense, mm-hmm. where it's not that you're outcasts or anything like that, but you 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 have it's a like I think skating culture is one of my favorite cultures and the balance that those guys have, and like mm-hmm. they're so tough and determined, um, <clears throat> and and parkour. So you, when it comes to the the similarities, I I just didn't realize people would call the cops on you and scream oh at you gosh. for. Re, do you give us some stories? Give the listeners. Some, well, the okay, I actually want. just got kicked off of a roof about two hours ago <laughs> going on a walk. No, seriously. So <laughs> I was. Um, I, those of you that don't know, I have a nine week old son. Um, so right before this podcast, I took him out on a walk to give, uh, my wife a little bit of a break and I have this nice little front carrier. So I just walked out the front door, didn't have shoes on, didn't have socks on, didn't have a shirt on, had a baby on my chest. Um, and just walking around the block, we live in kind of a maker's district, industrial district. Um, so it's just a lot of buildings, not a lot of houses. And I just went around the block, went up some stairs and then from the balcony of those stairs, there was a low roof that was like maybe a story tall. And then I hopped on the edge of the balcony and hopped onto the roof and was just walking around. And there's some dude in the parking lot, parking lot, just yelling at me, telling me to get down. So, you know, I give him a little nod, walk back down, jump onto the little balcony and come back down. And then he's like super surprised that I have a baby on. And I was just like, told him going for a walk, getting the baby to sleep, you know, cause he doesn't like sitting still. <laughs> it's like his dad. But, um, but, but that kind of thing where it's like, um, I, I didn't do anything but walk like once you, like, and, and that's kind of a, something I'll bring. I'll just make a little footnote for myself, but um, I, I didn't do anything but kind of walk from one place to the next. But since most people aren't used to kind of negotiating anything other than a flat paved sidewalk, it's kind of out of their realm of imagining that you would want to walk there. Um, and and, and, and there are a lot of similarities between parkour and skateboarding, but there are also a lot of differences. Tons. Um, 
And I think that today is a very different than it was when I started parkour in 2006. And just like I can give, well, I can, I can share this now because people might actually know that are listening to your podcast. So the store boys, do do you know, um, it's a, probably the biggest, if you pull up the store channel on YouTube, just to see how many uh, followers they have, it's S T O R R O R. Um, but they, so when I first graduated high school and I traveled to Europe, I, I had seen a video called Cambridge joy. And it was um, a, a parkour video that a guy named Scott Bass filmed in, in Cambridge. And I didn't have like any peers really in my town doing what I wanted to do. It was like a tiny little college town in the middle of the rolling wheat fields of Eastern Oregon or Eastern Washington. Um, and so as soon as I graduated, I knew I wanted to go over there where that video was filmed and mm-hmm. share with all of this fun stuff. But when I was there, um, Callum and Toby came up to Cambridge. They're two guys at the store group that now they have like what, 7 million followers. Um, so like people like the recognition and understanding of parkour is, is so much greater now that when you say it to somebody, they, they at least know what it is. Whereas when we would be doing something back in Pullman, Washington, back in like 2006, seven, eight, like you'd be like, I'm doing parkour. You're, you're doing what? And then they'd have no idea. You're like, you're going to a park and you're like, no, I'm training. And you're like, what are you training for? Why are you like <laughs> jumping on a wall? Um, so it's come a long ways in that regard. Um, as far as like skateboarding, when it first started out, it was probably a lot more fringe, but, um, I would say some of the main differences is in the, um, kind of the approach to parkour versus the approach to skateboarding. And part of that divergence is just how, how much, well, I guess I wouldn't even say how much older, but I'm not really sure the timeline on skateboarding, how old that is. And then if you were to look at when parkour kind of started in Paris, but so the skateboarding, you don't need anything for parkour. Dude, I want to say skateboarding started in like the sixties, like sixties or seventy Lords of Dogtown. John Google this. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious now. (laughs) Um, because parkour more or less started in the nineties. Okay. You know, you, you could argue that and give or take, but as far as its current form, it started in the nineties more or less. Um, and then it, it really started taking off in the 2000s. But um, yeah, so it's, it's a lot younger. But, but you also, you don't need anything to do parkour, um, which is part of why I love it. Um, and it's so similar to just having a physical practice because like you just, whatever you have around you, you make do with. And, and oddly enough, like having kind of things, like whether it's a natural setting with trees and rocks or whether it's a, like an urban setting with walls and rails that somebody else built for a different purpose than you're going to use them for. It allows you or forces you to be creative and come up with challenges um, within those environments and to use those things in a way that they weren't intended to be used and have a lot of fun doing it. And that transfers also to the rest of your life where like, you don't have to do everything like everybody else does. And oftentimes you're better off for it. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I think one of the best things someone ever told me is if society is running one way, you should turn around and run the opposite. Yeah, if Although, the majority is doing one thing, it's probably wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's been, that's been, it's been pretty sound advice. Uh, you know, most of my <laughs> life. Um, although sometimes I've missed out on some stuff, but, um, yeah, I did. I didn't even know about the store group. I, I had no idea they even existed. And there's 7 million, 7 well, million, 300,000. Why? People. 
like if I was to tell somebody to start watching something to learn a little bit about parkour and parkour culture. So I was, I went to England in 2009, bought a one-way ticket and brought a backpack over there. And when I got to Cambridge, I stayed with the guy that made the video Cambridge joy. I stayed with another guy, Phil Doyle. He's an absolute legend. And when I was there in Cambridge, um, like I said, Toby and Callum, they're two of the main guys from the store group. They came up and before anyone knew who they were, before they started store, um, and they were just two young kids. They're a little bit younger than I am, but it was cool meeting them and seeing them. And the way that, um, Phil introduced me to, um, I think it was Toby who was talking about, he was like, yeah, this guy's a really big jump. Like, we're, you know, you talk about people's abilities and like what their specialties are. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so we spent a little bit of time there. And then when I came back to the States shortly after that, they formed the store group. It was 10, 10, 10, October 10th, 2010 is when they formed the group. Um, but they were making YouTube videos long before that. Wow, man. Wow. You're right there. Right there. In the, what this I did I actually didn't know this about you. So this is like very this is new to me. What like what you just had to get away and you're just like fuck it, I'm going to go to Europe for a while to be a part of this. Like what why yeah, how no, did you fall in love with it? Video. How did you fall in love? Um, so in in like 2006-7, one of my um <laughs> One of my good friends from high school, he was always into the computer games and living in the basement, being on the computer, surfing the internet, um, and, you know, anarchist cookbook, doing all the the fun stuff with him. But he found District B-13, which is a movie, a French film. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it, District B-13. But that movie, the main actor, David Bell, he is the quote-unquote founder of parkour in Paris. And this was kind of, um, he, he was friends with a videographer or a director or somebody that got him into that. And they were like, this is really awesome. You need to be in a movie. And rather than having him be a stunt double or anything, they just pulled him in as an actor. So he was a main actor in a film, not really an actor. He was a black belt in karate, came up with parkour and there's a bigger story behind all that. But, um, I watched the initial chase scene in that video, which you can pull up just the initial chase scene on your, like, you know, after this Mm -hmm. in, um, district B 13 chase scene. And it is like, there's only one stunt in there that they green screened and he did it. He didn't like, he, he would have succeeded. It was just a safety thing for the film. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a scene where he's jumping out of a window, um, like 30 floors up and catching a rope. Um, but he caught the rope while fine. So like he would have survived if he did it in real life, Mm -hmm. but he did all of the rest of the stunts in that chase sequence. Um, no wires or anything. Um, so that was the initial kind of impetus that like we saw that and we were like, Whoa. So I, I, you know, I, as, as most kids do, like I ran around, climbed trees, played on the playground, jumped off the slides, did all that stuff. But at a certain point, society tells you that's not okay. And you kind of have to stop doing that if you want to fit into some degree, but watching that video kind of rekindled. I was like, you know, cause I grew up watching Jack Chan and people could argue like he's the founder of parkour, but he just did a bunch of parkour stuff and movement. And he's a, he's a absolute, you know, he's probably the, one of the best, but um, watching this other guy do it and then learning a little bit about this discipline that he called parkour and that he trained with his friends as adults in urban settings and natural settings, it kind of gave me the permission for you know, lack of better words, as more of an adult in high school, being like, I can do this again. 
So we started training. It was uh, me, Colby Lee, and Eli Dobler. We were um, high school buddies. We'd go on campus there at Washington State University. And like every day after school, we'd go and train on campus. And we just called it training. And we'd go up there and we'd try new things. And there were so, like YouTube was in its infancy at this point. So we had a lot less to go off of. And like with any sport, I feel like as soon as somebody breaks something, like breaks a jump, does something, like the mental energy around it, as soon as somebody lifts a certain weight, it's going to be easier for you to lift. Like that kind Mm -hmm. of energy, as soon as you see it online, it changes everything. So we were trying to do things that we had barely seen and we were trying to kind of push the envelope at the time. And now like you have like 10 year olds blowing us out of the water with stuff they're doing now with the gyms and all, you know, like that's kind of the progression of every sport, but, um, but the headspace stays the same. Um, is where anybody that's tried parkour, probably one of my favorite things to experience is when you physically know that you can do something and you have it in front of you and you're afraid to do it and you're afraid to do it and you're afraid to do it. It takes you forever. And then you finally do it. You kind of break that jump, Mm -hmm. so to speak, that moment of being there, feeling that fear, knowing you can do it and doing it is one of the greatest feelings. But maybe the second greatest feeling is watching somebody you care about go through those motions. You know, they can do it. They know they can do it. You're watching them. You're encouraging them. You're letting them do it. And then they do it. And then you share in that. It's, I don't know. That's probably one of uh, my favorite elements about like parkour and physical culture. Well, yeah, because you level up together. Yeah. You you may have been able to press press through that that same barrier, and so you understand that the feelings of anxiety, and it just it it just strengthens your bond because you've been through, I mean hell or whatever kind of challenge you know. So you, you look at that in, in any elite, you know, look at Navy SEALs, UFC fighters, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu tacticians. You know, there's a certain mm-hmm. level of respect because. You've all been there. You've all been there when you sucked. You've all shared and like you're on the same journey, um, more or less. One piece of that that I guess kind of going back to the differences between skateboarding and parkour is when I was introduced to the community at large, when I traveled as an unknown person to with a one-way ticket to England and I just started staying with these folks and crashing on their couches and stuff. And the welcome that I received in the parkour community, um, that was probably my, that was my second experience. We can go into the first one, but going over there, um, I think that that element of experiencing that fear and then overcoming it at every level creates a type of camaraderie where there is very little ego and there is a lot of love for people of all levels Mm -hmm. because somebody could be going through that experience, you know, jumping two feet, four feet in the air, two feet forward, something that like somebody else is like, that's easy. That's stupid. But, but it's the exact same emotional framework, emotional framework that they're going through that they did on a skyscraper 10 foot gap. (laughs) So regardless of like how like trivial that the actual jump may seem, it's the exact same experience in the mind and that kind of camaraderie that it brings together. Cause I, I spent time over there with, um, Daniel Eliabaka, which doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but in the parkour community, he was like the goat. Um, and it was, it was amazing how humble and how just awesome he was. Like we were sitting on the sidewalks in the middle of the night, just, you know, sweaty talking about life and things. And I, you know, 
just with, with anybody, any level. And so I think that's something that, um, I may be wrong, but I think that is truly unique to parkour and it's changing a little bit with the scale and the growth of it. Mm -hmm. Like as any sport gets to a a bigger level, you're going to get, going to get assholes in the sport and stuff. But as, um, just because of what it is, I think you have fewer. Yeah. No, well, it's so new and back then it was so new and it's such an underground, you have to support each other because you are, you're not the other, but you're different. Like it, it, there's not that mm-hmm. many people that are into this. So like if someone's into this, like, Hey man, we got this in common. I love this shit too. Uh, what do you yeah. think? Dude, what's going on now? See this, this shit, like I missed this whole thing. I was busy playing football and, and, uh, I just didn't even know that this was a thing right back in those days. Like, but when, when anybody <laughs> but, but that's awesome that you were there. Like you were, you were, you were there as this, as this thing was growing and maturing, like, and you were right in the thick of it, like that's badass. Not that many people on the planet can say, I mean, I equate it to like following a, or being in a band or following a band around and maybe it's your buddy and you're, 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 I don't know, let's say you're in a band and no one gives a shit and you're playing bars. And then all of a sudden, like you start to grow and you get like, that's not something Mm -hmm. that very many people get a part, get to be a part of. Right. But I, I, when we talk about stuff like this, what fascinates me is I'm obsessed by, I'm obsessed by scenes and culture, and I, I wonder like what type of scene is going on right now that I have no idea about. Like like you know it was parkour in the '90s, skateboarding, and did we ever figure that out? John was it in the '60s <laughs> or '70s. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we did it. Sorry, I never popped in. Uh, it was the it, so it technically kind of started in the '40s, but really took on in the like late '60s, '70s. Or Lords and of Dogtown. Like, uh, yeah, Lords of Dogtown was uh, late '70s, '80s. That's when I'm gonna so. say it started, but. Like what, like what is going on now that, do you know anything? Now I'm curious, man, you're, you've got the pulse on the weird and the wild. So what, what's, what's happening now? What am I missing out on? Speak to the people. I guess, I don't know. My, um, while my realms are pretty widespread to some people, um, like on the other side of fitness and nutrition, which I always kind of try and keep a pulse to just to see what's innovative, what's new, explore things that are really fringe. Um, on the other side, like I'm a craftsman, I do woodworking, leatherworking, welding. Um, my wife does a ton of crafts, but, um, all of those things, while they might seem disjointed to me, they're just part of like the well-rounded life that I want as a human with skills. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wouldn't say that I necessarily have a, a great pulse on, maybe super wild things coming up, but as they pertain to fitness and nutrition, I feel like I have a pretty good, um, ear to the ground, but I don't, I don't know if there's anything like new, new, like parkour coming to the scene that I can think of off the top of my head. I can't either, man. That makes me so sad. And I know it's out there. I just don't know (laughs) what it is. Uh, I mean, I'm like into jazz and and that's yeah. you know me and the lady are super into that we just went to new york and watched a nubia garcia who's amazing um mm. but i don't know i i don't i mean that's like my little scene that i i like to be a part of but i i just don't know i mean jujitsu is pretty mainstream now too that used to be a little like sick culture yeah. i mean it's still sick but it used well, to be that's one of the things that i think is um like social media has kind of 
small, made the world smaller in some ways and it's made the world bigger in other ways. But, um, as far as like physical culture, just to take one thing, I think the merging, like even just with MMA and, um, kind of with these mixed cross training disciplines and kind of what I do of just trying to bring the best together Mm -hmm. that, um, and, and that's kind of the model I use for like kind of growing in life and truth seeking is if you learn something new and it tears down everything else that you know to be true, then you kind of like, it's not bad to question those things, but truth builds up truth. Like the, the world is very cyclical and everything that is real works together. If that makes sense. No, it is. But you're not wrong because I mean, just even getting back to movement, right? Like, when Conor McGregor went on his tear in the UFC, he was working with Udu, Edu Portel. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's, I mean, that's all we talked about him. And I know you have certain opinions on him. We won't get into that. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, that everyone's like, wait, there's a movement coaches. Like you can do that. And everyone in the UFC is yeah. like, I got to get a fucking movement guy now, you know? Yeah. So there, I, I, I think that, I think that there's, well, I guess that's the kind of stuff that I have my ear to the ground on. Cause like I knew about that when it was just kind of first starting yeah. and that's something I paid attention to. And you got like the WEC method, which is pro- that's probably going to be, I don't know. There's tons of people that are, that know about it and it's not that new, but it's, it's one of those things that people don't really know much about. And I'm not going to say I know a ton about it, but it's something I'm like, what is it's, it? Um, there's some of the main, I guess, things that you may have seen or that there's like, um, the RMT rope. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, kind of a three quarter inch rope that you swing around and do kind of different, um, flow patterns with, for lack of a better word. Um, and he, he's got a bunch of things. He, he came up with the BOSU ball. Um, and so that's kind of a mainstay in a lot of gyms, but he, he's got a lot of kind of wonky theories and ideas around locomotion and movement and, body mechanics. And so I, I kind of like, there's a bunch of people like him that I, I like to listen into and see what they got going on. Cause I really agree with a lot. Some of the stuff that these people say, some of the other stuff I kind of like, not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that's kind of how I, I prune away and try and boil down the things that I think are the most important for the layperson or for the athlete on a base level, you know? Um, I think but so. I, well, I, I didn't even know the that this whack method. You do. I'm looking at yeah, it right so now. I, just, I, didn't, like I didn't even. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know that existed. This is what I'm saying. I had no mm-hmm. idea that there was a thing called the WEC method. Now I'm curious about yeah. this. And well, I'll have probably you heard of the fighting monkey stuff. What the fuck is that? No. <laughs> what so is there, this? There's, there's a bunch of wonky kind of like I guess when this is one of the things about the social media making the world smaller rather than bigger. Mm-hmm. So on my social media, there's like, I have a bunch of friends around the world that know a certain set of things. We know about all of these different movement things, all these different kind of subcultures within it. And Mm -hmm. so we get so inundated with seeing it every day on our feed that we assume everyone knows it. (laughs) And I think that's part of what makes the world so small. And, um, I've had this conversation with, with a couple of the trainers where it's like, um, something that I might take for granted that I could share on my Instagram as far as like form or just some theory or an exercise to alleviate something, you know, simple. I might take like, think that that's so simple and trivial and stupid and I wouldn't post it, but the vast majority of the people still don't know about that. And it might be beneficial to them. But since my feed is full of other people that know these things, I'm like, ah, everyone knows that. And so I think that's 
that's one of the the downsides to kind of having you know just just reinforcing your own ideas in a social well, sphere or even in a, a real like group of people we all of live internet. we all live in echo chambers whether we want to admit it <laughs> in my opinion in my opinion i think you got to go out of your way yeah yeah i think that because everyone in my sphere of influence right and i think very open minded um pretty intelligent and are open to you know trying new things and 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 whatnot but like and so i'm like oh man sometimes like the world's great and everyone's everyone loves history and everyone knows about this historical thing that happened uh in (laughs) in venezuela (laughs) in the 1600s on the janos like everyone knows that of course so i I can relate to you in that context and then you know as far as like you know when it comes to physical the physical practices and training i'm i'm thinking about the gym and west side barbell mm-hmm. and louis sims and all these bodybuilders yeah. who you whom you might not know about but i don't know about any of this weird wacky stuff which i love because mm-hmm. all these guys like i'm looking at this uh this fighting monkey and it's like they've got all sorts of they've got <laughs> fucking a tennis ball they got dragon balls Dude, I've got seen <laughs> dragon balls that's a great name um dragon eggs i guess dragon eggs there you go but this <laughs> but, this uh, is so cool and, and well to, to that like i used to just kind of say that kind of thing when when heather and i were first dating i'd be like oh it's common knowledge she'd always <laughs> say no that, that's it's uncommon knowledge you know, like we, we, we can assume what we think other people know, but because we live in our own little echo chambers or we, we are passionate about different things. Yeah. There's so much, you can't know it all. No, uh, you can't, but, which is why we all have to continue to talk to each other, continue to. Well, and that's the importance of coaches and mentors yes. um, for, for all different things, not just the physical, not just the nutritional, um, you know, like I, I leverage coaches and mentors as everyone should. Um, but the, I guess the tricky part is finding the right ones, which comes back to why I hate marketing and advertising on platforms, especially like Instagram to try and, <laughs> to try and get across who you are and what you do in like two seconds of somebody's scroll attention. I think like, that's not necessarily the type of people I even want to work with. <laughs> well, dude, but, um, here's what I think though. I think you're doing everything you need to do because I just, like I said, poked in on your page on my computer before talking to you. And I looked and there's been tremendous growth in the account and just keep doing what you're doing because you're kind of showing a a snapshot of your life. Right. But it is a very original life and it's, it's not, it's very non-traditional and that's, you just got to keep doing that. Like, you know who you are, you know what you want and that's your advantage because most people don't. So I wouldn't, it's going to take, it's going to take a long, long time, but from just, just me knowing who you are as a human being and knowing that you've been successful in all these endeavors that you've done, like this will be great. It will be great. It has to be. One thing I'm pretty excited about, well, like, like you're saying, like I'm, I'm doing what I love, um, regardless of the monetary side of things and, and the, the value that it creates in my life and the people that I interact with is huge. And that's kind of what I'm going for. But one of the things I'm super excited for this year is now that we're in central Oregon, I love the outdoors here and I'm starting to put together some outdoor workshops. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're not like certification things or anything like that. I'm not trying to, to do that, but it's just like experience based, um, education, movement in nature, beautiful places. 
Um, and we got our first one coming up on April 9th, which I'm pretty yeah. excited about. Um, yeah, and this summer should just be full of it and finding really cool places to, to kind of expand people's comfort zones. Oh, I think you did. I think, yeah, you're going to definitely tap into a little market out there. I, that's a brilliant idea. Well, I mean, and I, I do want to be respectful of your time. So, um, <clears throat> but I do think that that's a brilliant idea, out, especially in the high desert. Um, what, when did you start doing that? Like, what was the, what was the idea behind that? With the workshops or? Yeah, the workshops. That's, cl- that's clever. Oh, um, oh, I've wanted to do it for a very long time. Like, and a lot of these things, a lot of the projects that I work on are really slow burn. Um, like I'll, I'll have an idea and I'll just kind of wait for the right time. Like with a lot of the things that I'm welding now, like I collect metal over mm-hmm. the, the months and years and they sit. And then when it's the right time, I hop outside and put together the project. And similarly with like these workshops and with the, the pulse program, the online stuff, this has been a, a long time in the making. I remember sitting down with one of my good friends, Jose, um, and just kind of mulling over the idea of how I could bring the quality, the level of quality that I want to an online platform um, years before actually putting it together. So a lot of these things, they're like long time in the making, but with the, the outdoor workshops, um, and I, I don't even know if I really like the term workshop for it. It's like a little event to get together to um, educate people on things push people out of their comfort zones, have them start to think about life, their body and movement in a different way with, um, and I, and I know how it will transfer to every part of their life. And it's not so much about like, just go to a workout in the woods, you know, like somebody might be like, go to a hundred burpees next to a tree. Like that's not really interacting with the environment in my opinion, you know? Um, and so it's, it's kind of reminiscent of, of the elements that I love about parkour in, um, building the relationship with yourself. Cause like one thing I like to tell people is, you know, like if you don't, <laughs> if you don't have a good relationship with yourself, like your life is going to kind of suck because you're stuck with yourself until you die. Um, and, and that building that relationship and building that trust comes in many forms. And there's the, like the, the intellectual side, there's the physical side and, and they're, they're intertwined in different ways. But, um, spending time interacting with your environment in nature with me with my guidance and instruction and with your own kind of time to explore that i think that it's just something i want to do for a really long time and i love the backdrop of central oregon and the trees and the rocks and just kind of the grandeur of the size of it it's so different than the valley in uh around corvallis and stuff where it looks a lot more cultivated a lot less wild yeah, but most of that has been destroyed, and you should stay away from uh, Central Oregon. So, just wanna, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, Actually, this this morning I was um, in a cave. <laughs> I, I I dropped off our, <laughs> weird my in laws were staying it. with us, and I I dropped them off at, uh, at the Redmond Airport, and I I didn't realize I'd been to some of the caves out here around China Hat kind of wilderness area, but um, there was there's the Redmond caves are out there on the way to the airport. So I just pulled over and took off and started doing a little bit of caving with no light. So I just went as far as I could cruising around pretty cool. I'll definitely go back and check them out, but there are a lot yeah. of cool caves and just things out here. They definitely do. Um, but stay away again. I'm just going to reiterate that. Yeah, so, it sucks here. so man, tell, tell the, tell the people where they can find you. What, you know, if you're running any specials, tell them your social, yeah, I was, well, the humanwild.co is the Instagram handle. That's the URL for the website. 
Um, and I respond really quickly on all those. I don't have anyone running my socials, so it's just you're talking to me if you, if you talk to me on those. But um, I did want to kind of leave a couple things for your listeners if they made it to the end, if they listened to all of this stuff. But uh, I would love to do a free 30-minute one-on-one kind of just chat consult. One of the things that I do is kind of I call it whole life coaching. And the reason why I call it that is – Typically what I'll do um, is we'll, we'll talk for a half an hour or an hour and outline goals, outline issues, injuries, talk about kind of everything in, in your life and then nail down some things that you want to change or improve and then make actionable steps to actually improve them and then kind of have check-ins. It's kind of a different thing that I started doing and I've had some really cool results with really odd populations of people. But um, I'd love to offer a free 30-minute just chat, talk about things, talk about um what I offer and if I think that it's right for them. And that's a big thing is um, what I do is not right for everyone. While I think that it could benefit everyone, I don't think that um, the particular platform of having an app on your phone and doing it from a smartphone, that doesn't work for everyone. And it has, you know, you have to have a certain level of self-motivation and you have to kind of want it for yourself. And I can provide the expertise and the plan and all of those things and as much kind of communication as people want, but again, that isn't for everyone, but I think that, um, yeah, I'd offer a 30 minute free kind of chat, talk about stuff. And then also 25% off your first month of the pulse program. If people wanted to try that afterwards. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, as always, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much yeah. for doing this. We're going to have you on again. And, uh, yeah, man, I got to get out to fucking see you. You don't live that far away. So yeah, we got a, got a little boy now. Yeah, I got to get I got to meet the, I got to meet the child. Well, folks, yeah, thanks. He just rolled over for the first time. That was pretty cool. Like mm. Two months. I don't know if that's yeah. No, that's badass. That's badass. That's well, folks. <laughs> right, well, well, folks. Thanks for thanks for listening. Um, please give us that five stars on wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the channel right down there, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Oh,